And everybody else, if you turn to Hebrews chapter 4, please, in your Bible. Hebrews chapter 4 is where we're going to be starting. I do have some scripture for us to read together as we are are into uh, the process of observing the Lord's Supper. And we're going to be in Matthew 26 after this. We'll be in Matthew 26 uh, more than any place else. But I wanted to take us to Hebrews chapter 4 for a launching pad. And it's always my prayer that the communion time is very, very personal for you. If you know Christ, um, if you've been forgiven... Uh, This is a time, Jesus said, I want you to continue to do this until I come back. We sang a little bit ago about that time when we're going to uh, meet Him in the clouds and we look forward to the rapture. We look forward to the end of the aches and pains and the struggles with our flesh. But God's got us here now and he He told us, we want you to remember, wants His churches to remember His sacrifice until He comes back. And God doesn't make any mistakes, right? When Jesus did this, it's very, very intentional that this is something that's going to put that gasoline on the fire to keep us burning for Him, keep us serving Him. So we'll be starting in Hebrews 4 and then over to Matthew 26. I'd like to pray one more time if you would bow with me, please. Father, would you please... Look upon each one of us as there are a multitude of concerns and worries that have come walking in the door today. For those that are listening over the radio, for those that might listen to this at some point in the future, we understand that coming to you does not guarantee us a life that is free from trouble and suffering and worry. In fact, it's more likely, the Bible teaches us. And so would you allow us to lean on you? Would you allow us to be blessed and encouraged by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ? And as we observe this time in obedience, would you make it not only something that we do on a regular basis, but would you make this very, very personal? Allow people to shut out things that would vie for the attention of what we're going to be talking about and doing in here. Would you praise you for this time to worship you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When we are in our world, there are some things that we are ready for. There are some things that we've prepared for, we've planned, we're not thrown off. And there are some things that come up every now and then that we were not ready for. We all have emotions And sometimes you know when something comes up, there might be an emotion that will come out. Um, I I like inspirational type movies, and I am one that will shed a tear fairly easily if they've done a good job with that, maybe if they're based on a true story. Um, We sometimes can see the emotions coming. Other times, they'll sneak up on us. I want to let you know before I start with this story that I had the best of intentions this past week. Um, We have a wonderful event here, and we have hundreds of people come through our doors but in in a two-hour span, and we give out a whole lot of candy and play great games, and um, I'm thankful for all of those of you who gave candy and prayed for that event, and um, hopefully uh, you did that, and, but I 
like to come, and I usually wear, I've got a Cubs uniform that I wear, and I take a little bit of teasing for it, but that's my attempt at a costume. Well, in the past few weeks, I was at the painting store, and I saw in there on clearance a, a painter's outfit marked down. It was marked way, way down. And so I thought, well, you know what, let's just spread my wings a little this year, and I'll go as a painter. Um, it wasn't a typical overalls and jean outfit, white uh, it was more like a hazmat type of a suit where you have the hood over like this and it goes down and it, you know, zips up. And so I wore that and greeted everybody at the door when they came in for those couple hours. And I didn't get uh, too much of a, of a hard time about that. One person did call me an Oompa Loompa. If you're not familiar with what that is, I can tell you later on. I wasn't flattered by that comment. When I got to my house, and I call it meet your neighbor's night in my neighborhood, we have many, many trick-or-treaters that come out. I was there and set up in the garage, and I had on this suit with the hood pulled over. looks like a hazmat suit. And it's at this point that there was an emotion that many young people were not expecting when they came around the corner past the car, and they saw a big guy standing there in this what I didn't realize was a scary-looking suit. It's white. I would think it'd be like an angel, right? But most of them did not think that. I can remember specifically at least two young people that were ahead of the group came around the corner, and as they started up, they got a look at me standing in that garage up there, and they stopped in their tracks, and they just kind of backed up, and and they're going to get the candy, but they were going to come with the group. Some people did not want to approach that tall, hazmat-looking guy that was up there, even though there would be a good treat in it for them. I think that we prepare ourselves oftentimes for some emotions that will come up. And that's healthy. If you've been around the block a time or two, you might know, I'm going to face this at this season of my life. Last year, I faced this, and so I'm getting ready for that. One of the difficulty, though, with emotions is oftentimes when an emotion takes us by surprise. I was not ready for that. It stopped me. It caused me to look around for help in some way. As we come to the Lord's table today, there are a couple of emotions that I want to focus on because we will go through these type of emotions and these are the kind of emotions that can sometimes leave us with not knowing how to move forward. Specifically, they are loneliness and betrayal. I think that loneliness is a little bit easier for many people to wrap their head around. Many of you maybe have experienced some loneliness and there's a common expression that even though we might be surrounded by hundreds of people, There is still a very real feeling of loneliness inside. And the devil knows that as a tool that can take our eyes off of a good God with a good plan. I think the emotion of betrayal is a little bit harder. I did work a bit at trying to find an illustration that would communicate this that everybody could connect with. And I don't think that I can do it justice. We're going to look at Matthew 26 
when Jesus Christ was betrayed, and I couldn't think of any examples of someone who had not only been betrayed, but they had been betrayed to the point where someone was on their side and then wanted them dead. And that's what we see with Jesus Christ and with Judas. And so what I'm going to ask you to do, since I can't give you a good illustration of somebody I know or maybe something you've experienced with betrayal, I'm going to genuinely ask you to put yourself in the scene of the story when we get to the gospel of Matthew in a little bit and try to imagine what kind of emotion you would be going through. Sometimes when I'm reading through uh, stories in the Bible and especially the passion of Jesus Christ, I will sometimes respond out loud with something. Traitor, I might say when I think of Judas. Sometimes I'll, I'll hear something and I know what's coming. But if, you're, if you allow yourself to put yourself in their place, it will help you, I think, to better understand that what Jesus went through and the whole point for you understanding what Jesus went through is so you can understand that He knows what you are going through. We're in Hebrews chapter 4. I want to go to the end of that chapter and I want to read verses 14, 15, and 16. Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse 14. It's a familiar passage. Since then, we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. And so as we approach what Jesus Christ did for us, I need to bring to our minds the promise of the Bible for God's children where God said, I will never leave you I will never forsake you. So we need to understand that even though we might have an emotion, even though we might feel a certain way, you must not let your feelings trump what God's Word says. This is why it's so important to not only know God's Word, to be constantly reminding ourselves of what He has said, His promises, so that we, like a tree planted by flowing water, are constantly refreshed. And we will see as we look at examples from the Bible and as we see promises from the Bible that God has promised that we will never be alone. And so it was definitely a paradox that Jesus Christ said to his followers, I must ascend to the Father. And he also said, Lo, I will be with you always. And so for them, they were never alone. And for you today, you need to understand that God has never left one of his children alone. The Spirit of Jesus Christ or the Holy Spirit residing within us. And so with those emotions of loneliness and betrayal, understand 
that you are not alone when you go through that. But before you can wrap your brain around the idea that God would travel down that road with you, we must understand that Jesus Christ would first have to go unaccompanied down a different road. I'm going to ask you to turn to Matthew 26, please. Matthew chapter 26. We're going to be here and read a good portion of this. There are some things that we're going to see. We're going to see uh, the betrayal of Judas for 30 pieces of silver. We're going to come across a familiar portion that typically we will reference every time we observe the Lord's Supper. That was the Passover meal for the Jewish people. And Jesus and his followers were Jews. They were going to observe the Passover. And I want to ask you if you can work hard at trying to imagine the emotion, putting yourself into the place of what's going on. You know Christ is going to die very, very soon after this takes place. You also know he's going to rise from the dead. So we do not have to start to weep and continue to weep. We know that the tomb is empty. That's why we celebrate Easter. But having said that, Jesus Christ wants us to remember the cross, but I think if you have had struggles with the idea of loneliness or the idea of someone that you trusted turning on you, even someone that was side by side with you, moving in the same direction, and there came a point where now it seems like they're working against you. It seems like every turn you take, they're working to upset that. They're no longer working with you, but against you. And so we're going to read some selected verses from Matthew 26. I'm going to start in the first verse, and this is where um, they finally say we're serious about killing Jesus Christ. We'll read verses 1 through 5. When Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said to his disciples, You know that after two days the Passover is coming, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. I think they were confused at that statement. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and plotted together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar. Now you and I know that one of the twelve that Jesus has was not one of his followers. Judas. Judas would betray him. And we find that in verses 14, 15, and 16. Look there with me. Then one of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. We're not going to read all of the next verses just for time's sake, but we are going to see the betrayal that is foretold. We're familiar with the conversation where Jesus Christ tells his followers, you are all going to leave me. You're all going to turn on me. And I'm not exactly sure what they had in mind. We've talked through this some, and if you've studied through, you know that they didn't know what was coming with the death and resurrection and then the ascension of Jesus. They, I believe, thought that Christ was going to be a great military leader. Some of them were kind of vying for position to be the top general, vice president, if you will. 
and they were with him. So when he says, all of you are going to go away from me, they might have had that in mind. The idea that he's going to revolutionize the Jewish people. Israel will be great once again and not this oppression from Rome. And so I'm not exactly sure how they would see it, but I want you to look with me. We look at it in hindsight, of course, starting in verse number 20, where it says, When it was evening, now they're at the Passover meal, when it was evening, he reclined at table with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, Is it I, Lord? And he answered, He who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? And he said to him, You have said so. So we think, well, why didn't they catch Judas right there? Is it I, Rabbi? But did you catch what already happened before that? They all said that. Imagine the doubts and insecurities in these people as they all go to Jesus and they say, is it me that's going to betray you? Is it me that's going to run away and not be part of what you're going to do? So they all have some insecurity there, which is the opposite of what Peter says, and we're not going to go over that, that familiar story with Peter saying, even if I have to die with you, I will not betray you. Jesus says all this right before they observe the Passover meal. And that's in verses 26, 27, and 28. Look there with me. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, and when he, when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And then I want to go ahead and turn to verse 47, if you would. Turn over to verse number 47. I want you to remember the conversations that have taken place before we start reading. And if there's not a good illustration of betrayal in your mind, here is the perfect illustration of betrayal. One who knew Jesus, who knew his goodness, and not only had left him, but had sold him out to be arrested and eventually to be crucified. The only example that I could find of betrayal um, that was a good one wasn't anybody that I know, but it was David. Many of you are familiar with David and the, the running for his life that he did, the fighting that he did. David had uh, mighty men that surrounded him and helped him. And David says in one of his psalms, if it were an enemy that had betrayed me, I can handle that. But it wasn't an enemy that betrayed me. It was my, do you remember what it says? It was my friend, a close companion of David is the one that turned on him and now was seeking to not only get him out of the king position but that he would lose his life and so David understood this and beautifully puts it in the Psalms Jesus Christ is about to be alone 
Peter takes a stab at it, pun intended. Peter takes a stab at it to try to defend him, to try to, you know, say, no way, I'm going to be your right-hand man. We're going to fight right now, these soldiers. Jesus is going to say, put your sword away. There's an idea with the power of Jesus that at any point he could call a multitude of angels to come and fight for him. But that was not the plan. The plan was for Jesus to take upon his shoulders the sins of the world. And before he goes to the cross, he's going to go through betrayal. And before Jesus Christ goes to the cross, he's going to go through loneliness. There is a a cell, a holding cell, that has been uncovered in Jerusalem. And of course, they cannot say for sure if it was a cell that Jesus went into, the kind of a cell they would lower somebody down into, have to pull them back out. And if you go to Israel, you can go down in a sample cell. There's a portion of the scripture that is read typically when a group goes down there. And it talks about the loneliness. Jesus Christ, forsaken by all. Ahead of him is this work. And the torture was terrible, but as I already mentioned, the worst part was the taking the sins of the world on himself. And when we talk about loneliness, do you remember what is going to come when he's on the cross? Because I've reminded us that if you're a child of God, you have never, no, never been alone in anything you've gone through because you've always had the presence of God with you. And if you've walked through this story before, you understand that there's going to come a point where the father turns his face away from the son. Christ is as lonely as any one has ever been. And the reason we mention this is because it's important for you to understand, as we started with in Hebrews, that loneliness that you've experienced, Jesus has been there. He's been through it. And so he knows what you are going through. Let's read verses 47 through 50. While he was still speaking, Judas came. Okay, what are you muttering under your breath right now. Here comes Judas. What emotions might be coming? What might the other disciples be thinking? While he was speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priest and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, the one I will kiss is the man. Seize him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and he kissed him. And Jesus said to him, look at this next word, Friend, do what you came to do. Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. Jesus was betrayed with a kiss. He would allow a friend to get close to him. He would allow this to happen. Betrayal and loneliness. Jesus knew what it was to be betrayed by someone close to him, someone to seek after his hurt, after he had walked with him going the same direction. And Jesus knew what it was to feel alone. And he knows exactly what we are feeling if we go through those. The devil loves to get you to a place where you are unable to see anything in the future. You are unable to see how God is going to use these promises 
that he's put in his word. He loves to get you to the point where you're unable to see how anything good could come from it. And yet, our God is a miracle-working God. And by that, I mean you might not be able to see it, but he has so much power and so much wisdom. And these billions of things that he has going on, things that we cannot see, things in the spirit realm, he can take anything and he can make those things into something beautiful. He can take you and turn you into something beautiful. God expects us to believe His promises. It sounds simple, but we are to go to God's Word, believe God's Word, and then walk by faith that He is good, and we do our best. And the devil wants to come and stand up in a big old scary suit and get you to stop in your tracks and say, maybe this is not the place I should be going. Maybe I'm not going the right way. He wants you to stop. He wants you to say, this can't be what I should be doing or where I should be going. And so we are reinforced by the comfort and the promises of God's word, but then also with brothers and sisters around us. Anybody else here, anybody else here like me and you have needed just the exact right word on the right day to continue going down that road that God wants you to go down? I know I have needed that. He has not left us alone. And of course, the most wonderful blessing of not be al- being alone is the ministry of the Holy Spirit, always with us. God's plan is good. The devil's going to lose, but here's what the devil is. He's a great, I use this illustration, he's a great chess player. He sees where we're at in the game, the devil does, and he makes a move over here. We know that God wins in the end. But the devil is a genius. He's been studying man. He knows you. He knows me. He's got an incredible amount of helpers with his demons. And so he's working. If he can't have your soul and take you to hell with him, he wants to make you ineffective in this world. Loneliness is one area that he will use to stop you from making progress in your walk with Christ. And even feeling betrayed feeling like you, that everyone is against you in what you're trying to do. 